This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. This is a Truce Podcast Extra, a bonus episode while we prepare our upcoming series on money in the church. I'm Chris Starin. Ministry in certain parts of the world is not easy, in no small part because it's illegal in these regions to share your faith or to convert to Christianity. We've spent the last three episodes talking about reaching out to our Muslim neighbors, which is important, but we have to be realistic. There are serious consequences for people who turn to Christ in parts of the Muslim world, and consequences for those who evangelize. For that reason, I was unable to discuss specific details about my guest's work, where he lives, what organization he's with, his appearance, and even his name. But I think what he has to say is a good challenge for all of us, wherever we live. From what you can tell me, can you just give me an idea of what it is that your ministry does? Yeah, so our ministry, we're involved on the internet using social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and we have a website. And basically we're putting content out on the internet and putting ads out, and we're looking for people who are wanting to know more about Jesus. In other words, they are buying ads through Google in order to direct people who have certain search criteria. If you've never bought a Google ad, this might be a little murky for you. When you buy ads on Google or Facebook, you can target specific people by their background, their age, or things they're searching for. Once those people are located, your ad is then placed in front of that audience. When people click on the ads or the sponsored links, they are directed to a website. In this case, a Christian website where they can chat with missionaries and then maybe meet with a real person in their local area. After we're finding those people, we're, we're trying to engage in conversations, inter- interact online, and just just share sh- share Jesus and get them get them reading the Bible and get them um, discovering from from the Bible more more about more about Jesus. And what kind of things are people searching for that you're you're looking for? What are some of these search terms? Yeah, our our, our marketer just sat me um, showed me in in the office the other day. She was showing me all the top search terms for the last month, and by far the. The number one search term was people searching for dreams about Jesus. They had they had seen dreams of a man dressed in white. They they see they saw dreams of somebody who told them that he was that he was Isa Masih, that he was Jesus the Messiah. They or often they'll see dreams of, of a church and they don't understand what it means. So that those are by far the the biggest um, search terms that we see. We see lots of people who are searching for for stories or testimonies about other other people from their same background who are who are who have also come to follow Jesus. And so what what that tells me is that there are lots of people who want to follow Jesus but they don't know how 
or they, they don't know how a person from a Muslim background can follow Jesus. They don't know anybody from their background who has made that decision. And so they're looking for somebody who has so they can see, oh, this, this can be done. I can do this. If you don't personally know somebody who is a Christian, it may be hard to learn about Jesus. You may not want to just walk into a church because your life or reputation might be on the line. The internet, however, can be more anonymous, especially with the right technology. However, governments and groups like ISIL may try to intervene. For the purpose of this story, by the way, we will be switching back and forth between terms like ISIL and ISIS. Um, our, our ministry works works throughout the entire region so we have we we run ads and where our our website it can be is shown throughout the region and we do have times when when the site is blocked and so we are we're constantly trying trying to update that we've if if one of our domain names is blocked in a country we'll we'll go into to our ads and and buy a different domain name and, and connect the ad to that one and we're always trying to stay ahead of that so um, lots of countries in the region are always trying to block our content. And so we have, we have a whole team of people who are, who are on top of that, trying to stay ahead. Uh, whenever a domain name is blocked, they buy a different name and, and send, send, start sending traffic that direction. Um, we have another guy on, on our team. He lives in the West, but he works full time with us. And he is, his, his job is just to all day block cyber attacks from, from different countries in the, in the region, trying to, to block our content. So these are like, you're just like flat out real missionaries of the internet, right? And that's, that's an amazing thing. Was that kind of hard to pitch at first, that idea? Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny to, to say that, um, that you know, we're, we're, we're doing real mission work and reaching people, but, it, but it's all behind a computer screen sometimes. And we're not, we're not loading up a backpack and hiking into the bush like the missionaries that I grew up hearing about in, in church. But uh, for, for our ministry, it was, it was just the natural next step. It was, we had, our ministry had started out more than 50 years ago doing radio ministry. And then, then it moved to also printing magazines and doing um, mail correspondence. And just as, as technology shifted, it became obvious that, that the internet was, was where people were going when they were trying to um, searching for truth, when they were looking for answers. And how do you share something as complex as the gospel, complex and simple, I guess, on the internet when you're just typing it a few words at a time? The, the biggest key to, to what we're trying to do is, is just to get people to start reading. And we've, we've found that more than, more than apologetics, more than having the right arguments or having the, the right presentations, if we can just get people to start reading then, then they're hooked. And um, often we'll start with something like the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is where Jesus does some of his most famous preaching. Jesus went up on a mountain and taught a large group of people. It's there that we read verses like, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. He said, You are the salt of the earth. This is also where you read, you have heard that it is said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You can read it for yourself in Matthew chapter 5. They could also recommend other places to begin, like 
the book of Mark. Or something simple, but just something that, that gets them reading and gets them discovering for themselves um, what, what the, the Word of God has, has to say. And what we find in that is that if people are looking for truth, they, 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 they recognize it when they see it. And, and they, they, start to, they start to recognize that, that yeah, this, that, that this, is, this is really the Word of God, and this is something that, that I want to, to dig into more. That's amazing to hear, because like, I'm so caught up in trying to be clever often when I'm trying to share the gospel with my friends. Uh, and you could can, you can just let them read the gospel of Mark by themselves and, and get there, that you really see a lot of fruit from that. Yeah, let me uh, let me tell you one one story about uh, um, a coworker of mine. She is a a local believer. She's from a from um, there. She speaks fluent Arabic. It's from her her background. That's where she's from. And she was extremely clever. Went to seminary. Has two master's degrees. You know, very very clever in apologetics. And but. She, she was finding that she wasn't getting the kind of fruit that she thought she would by just being clever and having the right kind of arguments and being able to convince people. Because um, people are just not convinced by, by our arguments. When, when, we, when we argue with people, they tend to just dig in their heels and, and, and throw up fences and, and it doesn't get anywhere. So she changed her strategy. Instead of trying to be brilliant all the time and anticipate every theological curveball, she began to listen. She'd meet people at a coffee shop, and then she would start with questions to find out what her friends wanted to know. And she said that what she was looking for, she was looking for the, the key to this person's heart. She was trying to find out, like, why, what is it that, that's causing this person to start asking these, these questions? Once she figured that out, then she'd invite them to meet with her regularly to go through the Bible together in a group. They'd read a passage, then she'd ask them four questions. What, what did you learn about God in this passage? Uh, what do you learn about people? Um, what, what, what can you do to obey what, what you learned from this passage? And, and who, who, who can you share this with? She would always you know, encourage people to, to take what they learn and share it with a friend or a family member. Really simple stuff. Easy enough that people in her group then took what they learned and started their own discovery groups. So we had discovery groups meeting in, in homes among family members. We had groups meeting in, in university campuses among friends who were studying together. We had, a, we had a discovery group that had started among people who were training to be moms. And they started studying the Bible together. And within... With this particular person, she had she had started a few groups, and within a few months, she had 60 people had become believers and were baptized. Do you see any differences in sharing the gospel in the Islamic world versus sharing it, uh, say, in the United States? There is an ease and there is an, an openness um, among among Muslims to to talk about re religious things, to talk about faith and and discuss these kind of things. Um, there. It's something that's extremely important to them, and which is perhaps different than a lot of what we experience in the West, where you know maybe faith or religion is just not something so many people think about. Um, in the Islamic world, they think about it every day. It's just part of their their natural language, and so starting these conversations is 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 really extremely easy. Yeah. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. 
In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. I've heard from a number of missionaries that uh, one of the issues that they've had is that the religion of whatever area they're going to, um, when they share the gospel with those people, there's a tendency to try to blend their previous beliefs with their new beliefs. Uh, Do you see a lot of that, or is there a pretty hard line? Yeah, I think there's always that temptation. One of the things that that we try to establish very early on is, is that we want to make sure that we've established from the beginning that that the the authority is in scripture. We talk about if 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 you want to see an an apple tree, the kind of seeds that you're planting from the beginning need to be apple seeds. So the the seeds that you're planting at the very beginning need to have the same DNA as the result that you want to see in the end. And so Whenever we're we're doing these these Bible studies, we always want to, as much as we can, emphasize that that the authority is in Scripture. And so, even you have a group of people who are not yet believers, but they're studying the Word together. We're 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 teaching them to ask questions of each other. So if somebody in the group starts saying something that seems contrary to the passage they read, somebody else in the group learns to say, "Is that really what the Scripture says? Where where do you, where do you see that in in the passage?" And the group, the group learns to, to self-correct and to, as a way to, yeah, so this is a way that, that even people who aren't believers yet are, are correcting heresies that are, that are popping up because they're, they're, we're putting in the DNA from the beginning that, that the authority is in scripture. It's not from the, the foreign preacher. It's not from the, the, the quote unquote church, the established church, but, um, but their, their, their authority is found in the words of God that they're reading together. I'm not going to lie. I want to be in their small group. It's pretty common in Bible studies for people to initiate a thought with the phrase, to me, this passage says, when really we should be thinking in terms of what the passage actually says, sticking to the actual text. Well, and a lot of us Christians in the United States are pretty afraid of the Islamic world. Um, do you feel like that is a healthy reaction to have or is that something we need to work through I think it's an exaggerated fear I think um, I think from my experience every person I've interacted with they've been welcoming they've been friendly they've they've loved on us they've loved our kids they've cared for us um, we've we have lived in the region where there were some some crises some that ha- that have happened but our community cared for us and they and they loved us and they made sure that we were safe and so i personally i've never experienced anything that would make me in any way fearful of living where i am or or interacting with the people that i interact with but i will say that even if the the islamic world is is as dangerous as 
the Western media portrays it to be, even if that were true, that, that doesn't mean that, that Christians should not still love their enemies and, and, and take great risk to, to follow Jesus' words in the Great Commission. I think we as American Christians are programmed to picture 9-11 whenever we think about Islam. What we don't think about is the people who need Jesus just as much as we do. Of course, these new believers in the Islamic world will have certain hang-ups to get over because in their society... They're, they're taught certain things against Christianity. They're, they're taught that the Bible has been corrupted by Christians. They're taught that, that Christians believe that there are three gods. They're taught that Christians believe that Jesus is the result of a sexual relationship between God and Mary. None of which is true, but it takes time to work through these misunderstandings. And he said that often, after reading the Bible for themselves for a while, their old objections just don't seem to matter anymore, though they will crop up from time to time. And so if there's a question about the Trinity or there's a question about the deity of Jesus, we'll have some passages in mind that we can we can have them open to and 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 hopefully discover for themselves. We use this analogy of a, a butterfly. If I were to to go out and see a, a, a cocoon hanging in a tree, and there's a butterfly that's starting to to work its way out of out of the cocoon, but it's not quite opened yet. If I were to go over and and try to help that butterfly, if I were to cut the cocoon open for that butterfly, um, the the butterfly would ultimately die because it's. In, in that struggle is, is how the butterfly gets the strength that it needs to, to be able to fly. And so we want to, we want to give people opportunities to, to struggle with these questions they have and to try to discover for themselves. When people are discovering things for themselves from the scripture, it, it stays with them longer and it's, uh, and it's uh, more powerful. Yeah. Their ministry is effective, working with people around the world to develop tools to deploy in Muslim countries. But there are other forces at work. And the reality is right now in our region, the most effective um, internet marketing people in the region is um, ISIS. And they are, they're, they're extremely sophisticated. They're, 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 they know what they're doing. They leverage their uh, media very well. And part of what they do is they, they find sites and, and things like this and they, they attack us. So he asked that we would pray for protection for them and for their volunteers. There is, an, there is a huge increase in the number of people who are, who are looking for, for truth, who are, who are, who are searching for, for peace for on, online and on the internet as a result of these, these kinds of um, places. I think in our region, the, 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 the countries where, where, where our kinds of sites have received the most traffic over the over the last few years have been I Iraq and Yemen and um, and now Syria and so when when these people are in crisis and 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 disillusioned from the the authorities that have been ruling over them with a pretty heavy hand for a long time when they when they start to see these places uh, these as they, they're viewing them as hypocrites. They're seeing them kind of exposed for, um, and, and they, they, yeah, they become disillusioned, they become dissatisfied. And so they, 
they go online and they search and sometimes they find a place like like um, like Eisel and sometimes they'll they'll find um, Jesus. This has been a Truce Podcast Extra. We've got some really fascinating full-length episodes coming up soon. You can find all sorts of good information about the show at trucepodcast.com. I don't think I've done this before, but I've got a challenge for those listeners who maybe haven't yet decided to follow Christ. Read the book of Mark from the Bible. See what it really says instead of what maybe you've heard or read on the internet. We're going to take next week off as we prepare for an important series, so I appreciate your patience. In the meantime, please share this show with a friend and continue to pray that we come up with interesting stories week after week. And consider giving a little bit of money to this show to keep it going. Thanks for listening. God willing, we'll talk again soon. This episode was brought to you in part by the Areopagus Podcast. Two clergy of different traditions, Father Andrew Stephen Damick and Michael Landsman, discuss encounters of historic Christianity with other religious traditions. How do we engage with those who believe differently? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.